We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. NBA Most Valuable Player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Hamilton. Hello and welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Untuck It. I am here, as always, with Rohan Kadi to talk about Bucks versus Knicks. Final score coming soon. There's still a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter, but let's just say it's, it's a big amount to a small amount. Yeah, it's a big amount to a, a substantially smaller amount. But here with me and Rohan is Kyle Maggio, who you find his work all over the internet at Whistle Sports at the Knicks Wall. He's also host of the Knicks Wall podcast, also on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, here to talk about the glorious New York Knicks. Kyle, how's it going? And uh, what are your thoughts on this game just up front? Uh, So what I've done is I've not looked at the actual score of the game. What I've done is I've just scrolled beyond that, so it can't make me sad. And I just focus on who makes me happy. (laughs) which is R.J. Barrett, and I see a, a sparkling line of 22-8-3. Uh, I'm going to ignore his total uh, shot output and just look at the 5 of 6 from the free throw line, the 5 of 7 from deep. The only thing is that I'm going to cherry pick. What a wonderful evening for the Knicks and R.J. Barrett. That's all I need to say. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> hey, I mean, yeah, it, 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 it does it, seem like it is. A, it's a good night. They're not a good team. You know, this is... This is what we do here at uh, the Knicks Wall. This is, this is our lives. Uh, basically, the Knicks get blown out. Uh, I cling to the two or three uh, young kids that have good games, which it could be anyone because they're all inconsistent. And uh, that's it. And then I go, okay, cool. RJ had a good game. Let's hope that continues. And it's off to the next blowout. So uh, nobody thought we were going to beat the Bucks. Uh, I think that was pretty obvious. You would hope that you don't get crushed by 30-plus points, but that's neither here nor there. Uh 
simply outclassed by a very dominant team that uh, the NBA media doesn't talk about enough. But that's, again, neither here nor there. But uh, what, what are your guys' thoughts mm. on this current run of domination the Bucks are on? I know we're going to talk to the Knicks, but I actually just wanted to start with that because uh, the defense has been lights out as it is again against the Knicks again today. So what what is it that you guys are, are seeing? Because uh, the Bucks are terrifying right now, and I'm not sure anybody's in their weight class. Well, I mean, we've seen, like these last couple games, we've seen uh, just utter domination again after, uh, like, what, Ty, what would you say, like the last, like, week and a half ago, it was started getting a little iffy, especially with that Spurs loss, but that's because Giannis's back was hampered. Is that fair to say, Ty? Yeah, I think that was certainly part of it. I think the Bucks were, in general, just kind of sloppy. It's just one of those runs where, you know, you're, you're just You're just play. going through the motions. It's a yeah, regular I mean, season. They, it's they January. Weren't, they, yeah, exactly. It was like, they started the year kind of rough. Obviously, the Christmas game sucked. They bounced back a little bit. Had a real nice win against the Bulls. Then, like, the start of 2020 was, like, a few very meh games in a row, even if they only lost, I think, one of them, maybe two of them. Um, I think just one. I think just the Spurs game. But or was the Mavericks game 2020? No, like, that no. was still – that was last year still. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they were just kind of going through the motions, kind of shots not falling was a huge part of it. And then they really just snapped right back into it. Uh, those last two games of the back-to-back this weekend, I mean, they just trashed the Kings with the honest playing poorly. Then they trashed the Blazers with Giannis playing well. And, and now this game is, like you said at the beginning, Maggio, I mean, it's not one you would expect the Knicks to do well, especially, I mean, kind of riddled with injuries. Frank Nilakina is out with a groin injury. I, I especially loved uh, the way you put that injury earlier on Twitter. But uh, And Marcus Morris also out. Do you want to share or not? Yeah, so uh, I, I don't know who's actually going to laugh on your podcast or your following, and I hope that anyone from – uh, our following who's listening to this session is, is going to laugh. So it's been an ongoing joke for like the last two years inside the TKW Slack that uh, Frank's had this groin injury that has been going on for like two years. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but anytime he misses a game, it's because of a sore groin. Uh, just pay, pay attention to this. It, it, this actually happens. This has been since before the trade deadline last year. He's been missing significant time with a sore groin. So every time he has a sore groin, we all just kind of joke around like, oh, that Frank having too much sex again. You know how that? Handsome man gets, gets around, uh, uh, you know, New York City, you know, DNP, too much sex. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the running joke that we have is that anytime Frank, uh, you know, misses the game, it's because he's preposterously handsome. And the only explanation for that is because he's having too much sex. That's, that's so uh, I mean, it, ma- it makes sense to me. It does. It makes sense to me, too. I was, I was bummed out he missed this game. I'm actually out of the three young point guards. And I would assume Dennis Smith Jr. is hurt as well because he didn't play. He's nowhere on the box score. But uh, Frank's actually my favorite. I actually think he's going to have a pretty nice career. It's just like the fact that the defense is already there. You feel like he probably has to make as much gains on offense as as Dennis Smith Jr., maybe even more. Like maybe Dennis is a little farther. I mean, he seems to have regressed a lot this year. But um, I just think Frank having the length in the defense already is is something that it makes it much easier to project him to be like a very solid guard. But no, the Bucks. I mean, it all starts with the defense, and then it's like Giannis from there. And then after that, it's like Chris Middleton taking advantage of the space that is opened up when everybody focuses on Giannis. And then from there, it's like just guys hitting shots. So it's kind of like this thing over and over. I truly do think it starts with the defense. I mean, like in this game, after aside from an earlier run where Julius Randle just decided to take every shot and, and made a few of them and tighten things up a little bit against a Bucks all-bench lineup, like when Milwaukee has built leads this year, the way they just choke you out of the paint has made it really, really hard for teams to get back in the game unless they just hit 
a basically preposterous number of threes. So, like, if you let Giannis and Chris and some of these other shooters go on a little bit of a run, you're down 12. It's really hard to get back into the lead against Brooke Lopez in the paint. Normally, I mean, he was out tonight, but Robin Lopez in the paint as well. And then, obviously, you know, the Bucks are going to keep coming at you on the other end as well, especially Giannis. So, I just think the way they suffocate your, your paint looks when they're playing right really makes it difficult to score consistently. Because that three-point shot, I mean, I think... I don't want to sound like Charles Barkley when he was railing about the 2015 Warriors, but like it is, it can be kind of hit and miss. I really do think you can't just shoot threes. Like you need to open it up by getting inside first and getting some other stuff to fall. So when the Bucks put you in a bad situation and take away that paint, it's so, so hard to come back. I think that's really why there's such a juggernaut in the regular season is these teams just find themselves with like not enough options and not enough time to, to really get these deficits erased. Yeah, and especially like choking away leads, it's sort of been at the three-point line because they can't really, like you were saying, Ty, they can't really score against the Lopez twins. But it's just, we've talked about this a bunch. It's it's lazy closeouts. It's people sort of getting a little lackadaisical because they're up so big and then the lead falls. And that's the story of the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, one thing, too, that you guys brought up about choking you out in the paint is like, that's exactly the Knicks game plan. Uh, I, I think everyone knows that. We have forwards. I, we've all heard the jokes. Um, so they packed the paint. And for any Knicks fans who are listening who will inevitably yell at me about calling them power forwards because this is the argument that everybody seems to want to have. Uh, whatever way you want to call it, they all work in the same areas of the floor. And uh, it does not work. It is not conducive for a good offense. But um, – that's what they try to do. They try to get into the paint. Uh, a lot of Julius Randle bully ball, a lot of Marcus Morris bully ball. So it's not really good when you're playing a physical team that can match up with you on the interior. And the Knicks, uh, instead of working outside, which, I mean, the only one who really seemed to put a focus on that tonight was RJ. But, uh, you know, instead of working outside in, uh, we just kind of keep working inside. And hopefully that, that wears you down eventually because twos are greater than threes in uh, the world of Knicks basketball. So, uh as you can see, we clearly uh, do not have the firepower to keep up. We do not have the shooting to keep up with anybody. So uh, basically, we beat you inside or we don't beat you at all. So that's kind of how it goes here. So you guys uh, being tough inside is just a nightmare situation for what this roster is currently constructed as. Yeah, and it, uh, it played out that way. I mean, this is going to be the third straight win this season for Milwaukee. Over the next, that's the whole season series. So it's going to be it's going to be over in a sweep, and I think – um, you know, I, and I just want to say, just it's so refreshing to hear from a Knicks person who is very grounded in reality. Um, I think just any of the big market teams, like you just find a whole lot of the, the people associated with that team, like on Twitter, on podcasts, or wherever. They just, like, it's so easy to get caught up in the hype. And I totally get it. Like, I, I think, like, even just having a good team, like, sometimes I get caught up in Bucks hype, I feel like. But I, I always like seeing your feed and your take on Knicks stuff because it's never, like, well, once they sign KD, it's going to be fine. You're like, no, they need to like rebuild and develop some of these young guys and all this other stuff. And it's still like, oh, yeah, they do need to do that. That's right. But um, I thought this game was going to be tough for them for a lot of reasons. But um, I, I think RJ really making five of seven threes was a phenomenal development for uh, the Knicks. And one guy I wanted to ask you a little bit about, I don't. this is probably a sore subject, but he had a decent game. Uh, Kevin Knox coming off the bench, plays 23 minutes, three of his seven shots, two of his four threes, 10 points, a plus zero, which is pretty good when you, oh, it's over they, when you lose by 26. So what is, what is up with this guy? I see a lot of negativity around him on Twitter. I don't think 
Many people are very high on him. Is it? Is he just bad, or what's going on there? So, so listen, uh, buddy, I just want to correct you here. As I was told by a uh, other Knicks, Knicks uh, personality, the only thing Kevin Knox needs to worry about <laughs> is his jumper. Uh, that is what I've been assured. It is blatantly false. I just want to keep – I've been going on a rant lately. Uh, my own podcast, another podcast that I go on, on my Twitter feed. I just want to make sure we spread this information out. So Kevin Knox, I've been told, is actually a good player. He's actually not at all bad. The only thing that he has to worry about is his shot. Uh, if you are wondering where the take came from, you will find it where you find all Homer Nick takes. So go check that because that is what I was told. That is always the pushback. Uh, it is from one certain uh, pocket of Twitter. But uh, so his problem is everything. Like, I don't know why people don't want to discuss that. Like, his problem is everything. He, he gives a shitty effort on both sides of the ball. He's inconsistent. He kind of floats around. He doesn't like to be engaged. Uh, if he's not basically getting the ball and rolling downhill, you know, to the basket, uh, basically what they like to do for him, uh, either Fisdale or uh, Miller, is they, they set a high screen kind of off to the side uh, behind the three-point line, like up on the wing, and they just try to get him rolling right to the basket. Like, nothing else. He can't do anything else, just a straight line on a good screen right into the basket. And, like, if he's not doing that or shooting a wide-open three, like, he does nothing. Like, I'm not even trying to be mean or rail on him because I actually do like him as a kid. Like, but he does nothing. Like, the defensive effort isn't there. Like, tonight he was actually pretty good. You know, he had a couple of shots. Nothing crazy. 23 minutes, 10-4-2. But, like, the fact that, like, 10-4-2 in a blowout with him being mildly efficient and playing, like, somewhat engaged, like, having a pulse. Like, this should be, like, the baseline if you're an NBA player. I'm not even talking about, like, oh, he was, you know, he was a lottery pick. Like, if you're an NBA player, you should be able to put in that kind of effort in your second season. The issue is he does not. Like, that's, that's what it comes down to. He'll play 25, 30 minutes, and he gives you eight points on just disgusting efficiency, just hoisting shots, giving you no defense. And worst of all, he's 6'10", and R.J. Barrett basically out-rebounds him more often than not. So for me, it's just, it's an effort thing uh, more than anything else. And people like to pretend that it's like, oh, well, once he gets his jumper picked, well, well, no, like if he's playing hard basketball every night, then we can have less problems. But that's not what he does. So, hope you know, he had a good game against Miami, 17 points efficiently, a uh, little bit better tonight. So, you know, it, it's small wins with him, but he's just not a good basketball player. He was historically the worst player ever last year. Uh, the worst rookie ever, I mean. Uh, this year, this year it hasn't gotten much better. People want to like talk about, oh, well, he got better. Uh, if he did, what one, maybe two percent? Like he's not, he's just not a good player. Like hopefully I'm wrong. I, I'd love obviously for him to turn into a fantastic player. I look like a moron. I just sit here and eat crow. But he's not good. The only way he's going to be good right now is if he figures out the defense consistently and he keeps knocking down threes uh, somewhat at the rate that he's doing them. He's hovering around 34, 35 percent. You can make the case that he could be a strong three point shooter moving forward, but that's ultimately meaningless if you're six foot ten and play no defense and don't rebound. So he's got to do something else in the meantime. He's got to find a way to make an impact. Uh, that's that's my gripe with him. Is that the effort level is just embarrassingly low more often than not, and I think that's mostly what his issue is. Kyle, I don't know if you're going to understand this reference, but uh, you'll get to see. Uh, Kevin Knox seems like lottery pick Rashad Vaughn. Yeah, I could see it. I was thinking... Uh... I was thinking in a more New York realm. He kind of sounds like Bargnani. Oof. Big guy who will shoot sometimes, but just doesn't doesn't have it all together, doesn't put in the, really the effort on the floor. I was like, oh, that kind of sounds familiar. I appreciate you Tough inviting comp. me onto your podcast and waiting 
roughly 15 minutes <laughs> before bringing up uh, He Who Shall Not Be Named, who single-handedly sunk the entire Mellow Era uh, because the Knicks didn't know how to do a salary dump. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, oof, that... It's okay. It took me, it, it, I'll, that, I'll come on the next wall. Me back. Uh, I, I can't lie to you, man. That hit me hard. Wasn't expected. You you can ha- you can have one of us on on your podcast and just talk about Malcolm Brogdon, which is what we're used to hearing about. Uh, not even first fun. And only. You, you guys are gl- the top defense. It's not even fun. Like Giannis, is, I, can't, I can't bring you guys down. It's not, I I wouldn't even want to. Like I, I remember I remember the Michael <laughs> Red years. All right, I remember the Brandon Jennings years. Ooh. I remember the Monte Ellis years. You, people don't realize I've watched a lot of Bucks basketball. I, this goes way back to when they couldn't break over the what the eight seed, the seven seed, and they just kept trying to break through. Yeah, I mean, I I remember, I remember. Bucks have always been a, like for me a good watch, and uh, I would never, never try to dampen the uh, the Giannis era because I am enjoying this too. You guys, oh, first of all, I never got to say this to you guys or any Bucks people. Uh, besides Giannis, excellent job on the rebrand. My favorite NBA rebrand probably ever. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, like the un- uniforms and everything like yep. that. Yep, good job. Oh, yeah, it's crisp. Stunk, so, I mean, you guys fucking crushed it now, but continue. <laughs> yeah, we, no, we will uh, take the credit for that. Absolutely. And, you know, we just needed to, we needed to get our fit together. Uh, sometimes you don't have your fit together. You need to get it together. If you're an NBA team. You hired whoever the Bucks hired. If you're a person like us, you know, you, you should go to untuck it. You know, sometimes... Your fit's bad. You see someone, they're wearing an untucked button down. You're like, they need a rebrand as bad as the Bucks did because they look bad. Um, that's because, you know, partially untucked button downs. The button downs weren't meant to be worn that way until Untuck It came along. It's the original button down shirt that's actually designed to be worn that way. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. The Knicks own RJ Barrett, big Untuck It guy, has his own collection. Or to the draft, so you can check that out as part of the more than 50 plus fit combinations. These shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, that's a a must in Wisconsin, maybe in New York too, I, I couldn't tell you, but outerwear and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. Their website is super easy to use. Even the boomers among us will be fine. They have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for that 20% off. I almost forgot in in talking about New York, uh, I forgot to call it at the beginning like like I meant to. And if you kind of heard some, I don't know, train noises in the background at all in this podcast, that's because Maggio is recording live from the, I believe, Metro North, I think is the name of the train, which it's not the subway, I've been clarified, but I think that is now the most New York podcast moment, at least this season, like recording during and after a Knicks game, during and after a Knicks blowout, even better, from a train, from a moving train. So I applaud your commitment to coming on the Eurostar. Yeah, I figured if we did this, it needed to be the most authentic way possible. The only thing I'm missing is a dollar slice in my hand, but uh, I feel like this will <laughs> suffice. It'll do, and, you know, it's just perfect timing for us to just cash in on, you know, Knicks get clicks. We just had to go for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um, 
I don't know. What other Knicks things are there really to talk about? I don't want to get too depressing, but I, th- I don't know. Rohan, if you have oh. anything, I know I do want to hear about oh. R.J. Barrett, who I think is the big thing right so, now. I, I have two little uh, fun statistical tidbits for you, and I know that everyone who follows me knows that I'm not the statistician here, but uh, I found a couple things from time to time that uh, actually are encouraging that I do find uh, noteworthy. So the first one is your boy, Frank Milikina, who you said uh, you think is a very useful player. So I tweeted this out a few days ago. Uh, me and Brian had noticed that lately he's been playing a little bit better. Uh, he's been a lot of good all-around ball. So we looked at his per 36 numbers, and as you know, for whatever reason, the Knicks hate playing uh, Frank Milikina. They just dislike it. They do not enjoy it. Uh, anytime they can get him under 20 minutes, they will. So, so during the seven-game streak at the time where he was getting to the line consistently, um, he was averaging per 36. He was averaging 16 points, 8.4 assists, and six rebounds while getting to the line five times. Like, it sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good, especially when you mix in. Uh, he's giving you elite defense, both on ball and you know, team defending with his rotations and the way he plays the passing lanes and uses his length. So. Uh, there is very clearly a good player here. This is probably, and I've gone back and forth with him due to how inconsistent he's been and, and sometimes how god-awful he's looked. But um, honestly, this season, and I know this sounds like, I even I hate sounding like them, but like this sounds like every Knicks fan, but like it almost actually goes above the box score only for him. Like that's the only guy I would make this case for. And it, it does, like when, when he's in the game, like the impact is definitely. You see a smart player, you see a good player. So, uh, the trend is encouraging. Hopefully they actually play him more. Hopefully they, they make some time for him maybe by moving it out for Peyton or just actually leaning into the youth movement. But I, there is a good player there. I, I don't know if it's going to happen in New York for him. It often never does uh, for any of these kinds of players. But that just wanted to drop those nuggets on this podcast because he actually has been playing a little bit better. So just wanted to get his uh, credit. But uh, him and then uh, RJ. Uh, RJ, uh, as much as everyone likes to make fun of his uh, efficiency numbers is actually if you look at his home versus his road split uh, it's sort of preposterous because his home splits are like he's shooting 45 35 and like 60 from the line like aside from aside from the line like those are actually very regular numbers for basically half the season he's played and then if he's away it's like disgusting it's just gross it's like he shoots, he shoots 34% from the field uh, I think I think 26 or 27 percent from three. He shoots 55 percent from the line. Uh, the defense falls off a cliff. He has less assists, more turnovers. So whatever it is, when he goes on the road, I don't know if this is like a mental block he needs to get over. I don't know if he just coincidentally happens to have all of his bad games on the road. But uh, a very different player, and this is through almost 50-ish games now that this is maintained. So uh, don't know which one of those you want to lean into. It's a coin flip, but. I'd like to believe it's the home RJ Barrett. Well, I mean, he is a rookie, so he's getting used to all like the travel schedule of the normal NBA grind. So I'd be inclined to say that the home uh, record might be more like indicative of what his true potential is rather than the road, because he's still getting used to the uh, the grind of the season. It's true. Yeah, he sure, uh, he sure raised all those road splits tonight as well. I mean... Six for 15 from the field, five for seven from deep, as you already pointed out, Maggio. And just as the game is now final, the box is final, I have a couple box score things I just need to read. And we're probably going to move Bucks pretty soon, so I'm not sure 
how much longer we can make Maggio and do a Knicks talk. But uh, Alonzo Trier and Damian Dotson get in in garbage time in this game, which is most of the second half. And their stat lines are just, just beautiful. Just full chucking. So Trier, in nine minutes, goes one for seven from the field, 0 for four from deep, two points. And Dotson, in eight minutes, 0 for seven from the field, 0 for four from deep, zero points. In a combined 17 minutes, they went 1 for 14 and 0 from 8 from deep, just double-handedly destroying the Knicks' efficiency in this game. I mean, it was already bad, but further destroying it. And then, uh, on the so shout-out to those guys for just absolutely chucking. On the Bucks side, Giannis puts up 37 uh, points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 block, 1 turnover in 21 minutes. He's 12 for 17 <laughs> from the field, 3 for 5 from deep. He's a plus 32 in 21 minutes. Chris Middleton is a nice 6-for-9, scores just 17 points, but he also only played 21 minutes. He added three rebounds, three assists, and a steal. Uh, so this was just really a couple of Bucks guys absolutely going off. Uh, a couple of Knicks guys absolutely trying to, not really getting there. Yeah, yeah. it just it seemed like it was just a normal run-of-the-mill Bucks game, but from the Knicks, it was just a lot of inefficient garbage time. But you know what? It it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, so I I did this uh, before, but my big issue with this team is like, like what what is Bobby Portis getting twenty points getting you? You know, and and you guys know the way Bobby Portis scores. Like these aren't fast buckets. So like, what are we? Why is he playing almost thirty minutes to take fourteen shots? Like this has been my issue with this team. Like this is. This is how, like, we get to the blowouts is because they aren't playing fast and they aren't shooting threes. It's like Bobby Ford is just kind of hanging back. And, uh, you know, I mean, one, one of four from deep. He's supposed to be a big that spaces the floor, and he doesn't really shoot a lot of threes for us. So it's very – like, to me, that's kind of like how we end up losing these games. It's like Bobby Ford is, or, like, Alfred Payton just take their time getting through them. It's like we're wasting possessions on guys who aren't going to be here anyway. So that Alonzo Trier and Damian Dotson, the guys who probably should be playing, like Kevin Knox, they kind of come in and they got to just fall to the wall when they get it. You know what I mean? Like get their shots up. It actually feel bad for Damian Dotson because he's actually – I don't know why the team uses him, how they use him. Like he comes into the game consistently. They actually put him in three four games in a row, like 15, 20 minutes a game. He's going to give you like – the same game almost every time. He gives you like 14, 15 points, five or six rebounds, good defense. Every game. No usage, catch and shoot. Like, that's it. And then they don't play him again for like two weeks. And no one knows what happens. Or he comes in for like a quick sub. And then he, that, that's all he's doing for like two weeks. So, uh, very confusing. The lines are true, thing I don't get because uh, we're not a good defensive team and we're maybe the worst offensive team and we decided the only efficient score on this team we probably shouldn't play. So, uh, it's, it's malpractice. Uh, I don't don't even waste your time arguing that he doesn't play defense. Nobody on this team plays defense. Uh, you think maybe you can put in the one guy who can score, but uh, see, so yeah, I mean that was fun at the end, but uh, it's just not a good team. It isn't. I mean, I, I try not to be funny about it or, or pessimistic, but really, it does come down to like, is RJ Barrett playing well? Cool. Like that's all we got. Like that's that's your top recruit. That's your top rookie. Uh, if he has lines like this, like I can deal with the blowout, you know, for another year maybe. But uh, it's just it's a team full of guys that might not be here in a couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know if they're showcasing the vets more than they need to, but it's a very strange uh, team dynamic this year, to say the least. And I, 
it, it's going to be very, I don't know. I'm very curious to see what they do because I don't think they're going to trade anybody. You made I was actually, oh, sorry, Ron. I was actually just going to ask about that. Like some of these trade guys, that might be why some of them are getting more minutes, like you pointed out. But do you think, just from a Bucks perspective here as we kind of shift over, do you think any of these veterans would, would have a good place on the Bucks? I mean, I'm, I'm feeling like maybe Marcus Morris just because he's like actually kind of good. The rest of them, I'm, I'm not so sure. Like Wayne Ellington and, and Reggie Bullock don't seem to really have it all the way together this year. Those would be kind of like your wings who could shoot a little bit, but I don't know how consistent they've been. I don't know who else would really make sense on this Bucks team. From what you've seen in Milwaukee, could you see any of these vets being a, a logical fit around the deadline if the Knicks do make a trade? Uh, I mean, I could see Marcus Morris. Um, honestly, I, I was hoping that, that that was the plan when they signed him as much as I am a and I've always been a big Marcus Morris fan. I would love to, in a perfect world, keep him, and he's part of a, a winning basketball era in New York, but that's not how things work here. So um, he's shooting like a, like a stupid percentage. For, I think it's like 46% last time I checked. Like, I, don't think, I don't think he's played again in a while, so I, I'm going to assume that that maintained. I just want to check myself. But I, I remember he was shooting like a, like a scorching percentage. And... Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would, you have Giannis. This is how I look at it. Like, you have Giannis. He's going to be making most of the plays. He's your playmaker. So, I would imagine, like, a stretch four who's going to be hitting a lot of threes for you guys at a good, at a good clip, you, you can probably use him. And you could always use the guy who's going to play good defense, competent defense. He's a smart player, uh, rebounds the ball well. Like, you guys saw a lot of him when he was with Boston. Like, you already know what he brings to the table in, in, a, in a big role on a contender. So I feel like it, it, I don't know who maybe you guys would give up. Um, I mean, maybe we could discuss that quickly. But I think that there's, for especially a contender and for a guy like Giannis specifically, like you can never have enough big like that. Cause I feel like that's why Brook Lopez worked out so well, right? He reinvented himself. He's a stretch big. I mean, he, it's a five versus a four, but same kind of concept. Like you get those bigs to spread the floor. Like that's kind of what the Bucks do. Like how, how could you not use the Marcus Moore? You know what I mean? I don't know what it's going to cost, but I think it just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does, especially in that Ursan Ilyasova role where you're just having exactly. him um, come in off the bench, providing like, and he's uh, one of the things Ty and I have talked about a lot on this podcast is that George Hill is the only shot creator on the bench for the Bucks, and if you get like Marcus Morris, who can, you know, he can he can do his own thing, and you can like have him in those bench units, and especially like he's a tough defender, he's a good rebounder. Like if you get him and he's and he's making a ridiculous clip compared to Ursan, if he can uh, provide that same uh, energy in that role that Ursan currently has, he would be a perfect fit for the Bucks. Yeah, and I just checked myself. I actually lied to you guys. He's not shooting forty-six percent because he's shooting forty-seven percent. So he's shooting. Ooh. So he's shooting. And that's on six threes a game. Like he's shooting two point seven makes on five point eight attempts, and he's shooting forty four. <laughs> You know, four point six nine. You know, so nice. But uh, so, so I mean, but I mean, he's shooting the lights out, man. Like, of course, you would need that. Like, anyone, any contender right now would need a Marcus Morris shooting nearly fifty percent. It's a layup for him right now. Like, it's a career year for him. He's got all the reps that he could ever have wanted to get here. Like, his trade value is at an all-time high. I don't know again what the Knicks of all teams would ever get back for him, but uh, how could you not want a guy shooting like that? 
So the actual the actual trade is murky. I uh, decided to punch it in. Look, I mean he he matches salaries with Eric Blood, so I don't think the Bucks are going to consider that as the move. So if you look at like Ursan and other stuff to make the salaries work, unless you include Robin Lopez, which I feel like is possible, but I wouldn't call likely. It'd have to be like Ursan and DJ Wilson and Pat Connaughton and Sterling Brown. So that's I mean just a four for one trade is going to be tough just to make the salaries work. Obviously the Bucks have. Uh, one of their own picks, not till 2026, which I don't think they would move that right now, but they have the Indiana picks. Uh, they can trade as well. So they have like two or three second rounders total and a first rounder from Indiana this year. That'll almost certainly convey, or that will convey. I mean, let's just be honest. So, I mean, I feel like they'd have the picks and stuff to get it done. The salary makes it a little trickier. Maybe it's, it'd have to be a three team construction, maybe something else like that, but that, that'd be interesting. I do think, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Rohan, having a Marcus Morris, to space the floor and create shots would be great. Um, I, I think especially if, I mean, I know the Bucks have been burned before by trading for uh, a four who doesn't uh, doesn't shoot anymore after they did shoot earlier. Like that has gone not so well once. Uh, maybe it would work this time. I guess fingers crossed that it would work this time. It would be interesting and it would well, be a Well, Marcus Morris is not a traffic cone on defense. That's true. Yeah, Marcus Morris is a lot more mobile and useful on that end then for sure sh- than he, Miritich. He who should not be na- Oh, you said it. I did it. Okay. I did it. Whoops. Yeah, I don't know if a Marcus Morris trade is really going to happen or not. I think it'd be fun and it would be good for the uh, for the Bucks, but uh, the, the salary construction is tough. But um, Rohan, do you have any other any other uh, specific questions, or should we just lob the general Bucks thoughts question back at Maggio here? Um. I can't really think of anything specific. I mean, I know, like, I'm just looking once again at the box score. I know fouls have been a problem for Mitchell Robinson, and especially, like, in a matchup where he's put up against, like, Giannis and Brooke Lopez. Like, that's not a good matchup. But uh, I don't think I have anything specific, so we can just yeah see see what you got. What do you got for us? Well, here's the specific question. Oh, you do so have going- a specific question. I do have one. I kind of lied. So going into the season, did you think the Bucks or the 76ers would win the East? And has your take changed on what we've seen in the first half of the year so far? That is my specific question to you, Maggio. Um, yeah, I actually did believe in the Sixers. Um, not, I wouldn't say maybe more than the Bucks, but on pretty equal footing. Um, I did pick the Sixers to actually come out of the East because I thought – um, despite me liking Jimmy much more than I like Tobias, I thought maybe the fit made more sense to keep Tobias and not Jimmy. And I thought adding Josh Richardson would help and maybe open some things up, but it didn't, it hasn't gone that way. I mean, they're still very good, obviously. So it's not like doom and gloom, but um, I, it was that. And then when Brogdon left, I was concerned that the Bucks weren't going to be able to maintain maybe the same efficiency on offense and maybe uh, the same, like, ceiling defensively that they were at with him the last couple of years. And um, I would say it's more about the, the Bucks than it is about the Sixers for me. I, I think I would still bet on the Sixers come playoff time, just with who they have on that roster. But, um, you know, just in terms of, like, first the regular season success. But the Bucks being able to not skip a beat with Brogdon being out for the most part is – to me, that's kind of a big development because I, I wouldn't say I thought it would sink them. I just didn't think they were going to be as strong, and uh, they look even better than before. So 
I feel kind of dumb. I don't know if you guys saw it, it working out that way, but I figured at least some kind of a hit you guys would take a little bit. Then I figured Giannis probably, you know, as all all around great players do, they, they figure out a way to kind of fill in the gaps and, uh, you know, make their impact and step up where they need to. But I just figured at least early on they would be struggling to kind of piece that part together, and that hasn't been the case at all. So what are you guys seeing and kind of how they man, well, not man, but how they sort of, right at that well i mean uh i wouldn't say that you were dumb for assuming that the bucks would be a little worse i for one thought the bucks would be uh worse this season i thought they would be like a solid like 55 win team because they would miss brogdon but evidently they have not really and they've come out an even better pace in the regular season Giannis is even better I think it's just more time in the system because we do have to remember the last year was year one of mike boonehoser and so you're getting more familiarity with the system. You're shoring up the the bench with a full season of George Hill. You got a guy like Robin Lopez. So you you have more options off the bench, more people familiar with this. No, Kyle Corver also forgot about him. Um, you just have more players familiar with the system and just um, a better feel overall for the team. So that's why I think the Bucks haven't really skipped a beat. And especially because Wesley Matthews has been playing great. He's been... Be- doing fantastic on the defensive end as Ty and I have talked about in the past and he while he may not be hitting his shots that much uh he's still playing like a good role in the starting lineup uh, is that one is that former Nick legend most Matthews that you're discussing it is <laughs> you you prepared him for this did you guys actually know and I forgot the exact stat I'm gonna butcher it and then I'll send you guys a tweet tomorrow when I find it he's uh like there, there's no qualifications for it. just any any amount of games, any amount of minutes, shot attempts, whatever. Like he's statistically the worst three point shooter the Knicks have ever had because he played one game, shot terribly, and then bounced. Like like that like that's it. I, I gotta find the actual number, but I remember him being like it was like in the low twenties. Like he's had a he's a very good player. He's always been a good shooter, obviously. But he just came in, you know, fresh from the trade, didn't give a shit, shot like shit. You know they. Got him out of there pretty quickly, and then that was that. But I, I find that funny because I, I always rooted for him on the Blazers and the Mavs from afar. He was the Iron Man. I like him on the Bucks now. He's been a little bit resurgent. And, uh, you know, the, the two games I had him, he was just miserable. And it's just, it's so Knicks. It's so Knicks. <laughs> that does sound very, very Knicks. Yeah, Wes has been in a little bit of a slump lately. I'm glad we, we worked to him uh, organically. He did hit a nice pull-up three in this game. I think just about everybody was rooting for him. Jim Paschke openly on the Bucks broadcast was like, Wes needs a shot to fall. Like, this is brutal. I mean, he missed a good shot at a layup, a good three, at least one good three earlier. Uh, like, a tip-in, basically, that just would not fall. And it wasn't – it didn't even look like he, like, had bad posture or anything. His shots just would not go down. And it was, it was glorious to see him hit, like, a tough pull-up three. But – um, yeah, certainly his defense has been a game changer. The fact that he has a much quicker trigger than Malcolm Brogdon has been important. Brogdon, a very efficient shooter, but he does need a little bit more space because he does have a little bit of a slow release on that three-pointer. So I think Wes was a perfect option to, to kind of stand in there and be the fifth guy, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I think uh, just in, in terms of overcoming Brogdon, I think one of the reasons I, I've kind of been thinking about this a little more the last few days, it could almost be a blessing in disguise is the Bucks need their big three, so to speak, Giannis, of course, but mostly 
Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe to be more assertive and take more shots and, and hunt out their own shots more. So the absence of Brogdon has forced them to do that more during the regular season. Uh, this this Just this past weekend, that group became the first group of three bucks since uh, the, uh, the OG Big Three in 2001, Ray Allen, Glenn Robinson, and Sam Cassell, to score 25 points apiece in separate games. Uh, so it must have been the second time they, they had done that. But just it's been nicer to see, especially recently, all three of those guys step up and contribute and find their own shots because as great as the motion offense and you know, finding open shooters and moving the ball is, and the Bucks are at their best when they're passing a lot. Those three guys need to be able to score on command, you know, especially if it's one of them and, and bench guys. They need to be able to hunt out their own shots, bust the Bucks out of slumps offensively. They all have the weapons to do that in different ways. So that's kind of almost like a. it might be a little bit harder now, but if come playoff time all three of those guys are more comfortable seeking out shots and driving to the rim, doing some of the stuff Brogdon was doing in, in the Bucks' space, it might be a lot better for Milwaukee overall. Yeah, this is going to sound very eye-test-like and anti-whatever, anti-statistic. Uh, I'm going to just start rambling a cliche here, uh, thing here, but I think Wes Matthews is the playoff player. Like, I just think that that's like your prototypical mm. regular season. Like, ah, he's been around. He's been, you know, he's a vet. He's been around for a minute. Doesn't, I mean, obviously he cares especially on a good team, obviously he cares. He's a professional. He's always done this. But, like, playoff intensity is different. I mean, I just feel like certain guys, like, it just works for them. And maybe I'm way off base. I just feel like Wes Matthews is like a playoff player. Like, I don't know why. It, would, it wouldn't shock me at all if he's struggling to shoot threes during the season. And it's like playoff time, he's shooting like 42%. Like, lights out. Like, Fred Van Vliet last year. Just lights out. Can't do anything about it. Just nothing you can do. He's just like... That guy that's gonna help get him over the hump, get him into the Eastern Conference Finals, get him into the you know back into the Eastern Conference Finals, into the actual finals this year. Like I, I could see him being like just the one that goes on a run. He mm, had to get us back for the Bargnani thing. Thanks, Ty. Uh, mentioning <laughs> yeah, there's, there's the real, there's the real biting <laughs> reference. Um, we'll certainly take uh, Wes Matthews going at full FVV for the Bucks. Uh, that sounds good to me. Um, I do wanted to ask. I did want to ask you. Um, you said you, you at least hinted that you would take the, the Sixers probably at this point still. But that being said, do you think the Bucks could win the East and then also win the championship this year? Like, do you think it's at least in the realm of possible? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, for me, like, I probably lean Sixers only because, like, the way I'm thinking about it is in my head they're both going to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. This is how we always think about things before the actual playoffs and the seeding start. Like, in a perfect world, like, both of those types are going to be the Eastern Conference Finals somehow. They're going to duke it out. And is Giannis going to be able to handle Ben Simmons on him most of the game, who's a terror and has shown to step up defensively in the playoffs? Like, uh, Giannis is the MVP, so he obviously could deal with it accordingly and it not be a big deal. But I feel like that's a tough matchup for him. Um, I, I just do. I don't know why. I just – I would still take the – honestly, I would take the Bucks if it's between the two of them. Just the way they're playing now. Mm. Um the way they're playing now, you got him. No, I, like, I'm not even trying to be wishy-washy, but it's like I can see the Sixers hitting another gear in the playoffs, but I can see like it's different when you have like the MVP. It's different when you have the MVP again and the defense hasn't really missed a beat. Like that's kind of what I'm trying to look at here. And it's, you know, just as much as I think it's going to be a tough battle for the the Bucks, like I don't know how the Sixers are going to be able to get by if they're playing like this either. So. Uh, if, I mean, Giannis is Giannis. You have a top defense. Like, I'm not 
at this point, I, I would be stupid to bet against it. Um, so I probably would take them coming out of the East right now. I still like the Sixers. I don't want to abandon ship on that either, but uh, I would go Bucks. Just the, if the defense had fallen off without Brogdon, I would probably have stuck fully out for the Sixers thing. But them stepping up I, genuinely has really impressed me this season. It's been one of my favorite things in the NBA that they didn't even flinch at that happening. So uh, how could you not have some kind of faith in them, you know? Yeah, I'm all I'm all for it. I'm inspired right now. I'm I'm ready to to go go place a bet on these Milwaukee Bucks. I haven't literally done that ever. I feel like it's bad luck for me to bet on the Bucks, so I just won't do it. Mm. But I mean, um, I mean, our friend here would know about uh, sports gambling. Oh, yes, I would. Are you are you giving me the opportunity? Are you giving me the alley? Is that what's happening? I am. Yeah, plug, oh, plug oh, away. Right. Well, so. You may have noticed, uh, I'm at Whistle Sports. You may have noticed Whistle Sports is doing some new things. One of those things is the 300 Seconds Podcast brought to you by me and my co-host, Jensen Cole. Uh, we're trying to bring you a five-minute digital uh, short, basically. So all we're trying to do is all the picks, five minutes, none of the bullshit. Like, you guys aren't going to have to sit through uh, analysis and, and why the spread makes sense. Like, you just hopping on. We're talking about the playoff games already. You're done in five minutes. You can go to the bathroom in and out. Don't got to worry about it. So, the 300 seconds podcast by Wilson Sports. The five minute podcast on gambling. We're going to cover anything NFL playoff games, NBA games every night, playoffs, whatever. So, uh, we have that and a lot more coming for you guys. But subscribe to that if that is up your alley. Uh, I would hope that we all like losing money together, that it's one thing that ties us. Uh, together as a, as a community, <laughs> as a culture, we all seemingly uh, love throwing our money online into whatever sports books we have and, and generally losing most of those bets. So if you'd like to come commiserate, uh, have the podcast for you. Well, there we go. I mean, do you have uh, – I, I think we're, we're, about, we're about out of bucks and Knicks topics for this one. So if you want to go ahead with the rest of your plugs before – Rohan dials up the old outro. I'm sure he's got prepared. Go right ahead, my good friend. All right. Well, uh, so we, we can do good work at the mix wall. We have for, for many years now. Uh, so if you are, a for some reason, interested in learning more about the Knicks, which uh, nobody should, but uh, if you want to do that, come and follow <laughs> us. Uh, hardest working team in the league. You know, I mean, we have a, a full staff that makes sure we're getting you guys a daily feature, uh, pre-game and post-game articles and podcasts and you know, highlights and video clips. It's uh, any any social media platform we're on, and, and we're on it during the games, after the games. You know, we're streaming, Periscope. I mean, anything that you think of, we have done it, and we have done it with a terrible basketball team. So you know we are loyal, and we're going to be here for the long run. So, uh, so just follow us there. That'd be cool. Uh, we have our, you know, podcast on the Blue Wire Network as well, the Knicks Ball Podcast, where we talk about that. Uh, so subscribe to that. That'd be fun. And, uh, Last thing I will say, and I'll let these fine gentlemen do the outro, is we are trying to raise money uh, for relief efforts in Puerto Rico right now. Um, we have our shop on Design Tree, designtree.com slash the Knicks Wall. Uh, basically, we didn't want to do GoFundMe. We don't have lots of ways to raise money other than to ask if you know anybody wants to donate. Uh, rather than do that, we thought we'll just sell everything in the store and uh, we just won't profit from any of it. So, Whatever we make from that, I'm going to just send a donation out, and I'll post it for everybody so you can see how much we, you know, sent. But that's basically it. Anything that you guys, uh, you know, buy 
So the proceeds from it, the profits from it, are 100% going to go to relief efforts. They just got hit by two earthquakes. Uh, this comes two years after they got hit by Hurricane Maria and got uh, decimated. So we're just trying to do a little something down there. Um, it's not a ton of money, but every little bit counts. If you can't, help us spread the word at least. Um, if you can't do it with us, you know, feel free to donate with whoever you feel comfortable with because that's all that matters at the end of the day. But, uh, yeah, that's basically it. That's all I got. Okay, thank you very much again for coming on. Where can we where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me at Kyle Maggio. Uh, that's quite an adventure for those of you who follow me already, but follow me if uh, you'd like. Uh, I wouldn't tell everyone listening. I would highly recommend it. It's one of the best feeds out there, and uh, just, like you've you've already plugged everything. But you're one of the hardest workers out there. Everything you're doing is great. And once Appreciate again, it. we'd like to thank you for coming on this episode of the Eurostep. For all of the listeners out there, if you enjoyed the podcast, tell us, rate, review on your podcast platform of choice. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Follow every single podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network because they are all fantastic. I can attest to that. Um, but, and if you, uh, you want to join our discord where we talk, um, box, general NBA, anything at this point, um, send me or Ty a picture of you listening to the podcast, whether it's an actual picture as some people have done or just a screenshot, which also suffices, um, send that to me or Ty and we'll get you set up in there. Otherwise, thank you again for listening to this episode and we will talk to you next time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.